What's going on, guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins, and over the next hour, I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Auburn, it is Thursday night, October 14th, so it's time for Moonlight Madness. I actually have a guest in here with me tonight. I've got Daniel Locke, the host of Kicking Ice and the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1. Daniel, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Jacob. Looking forward to it. You're officially the first guest on Moonlight Madness, so congratulations. Uh, I appreciate the honor. (laughs) You have officially become the first guest on here, but one of many, I hope. So, Couple announcements just for the show. Obviously, last week did not have an episode just because of fall break here at Auburn. I decided just not to have one uh, with tip-off at Tumors going on last week downtown. I wanted to go and, and experience that. So I went and did that and just didn't – I just took kind of a break for the week. So, But we're back. We're back on schedule. And of, unfortunately, next week there is a live soccer broadcast here on Weagle 91.1 FM. So my show will not be – live on the air but I will pre-record it and still upload it to Spotify, Apple, Amazon or wherever you get your podcast. So it will still be available as a podcast but the live show next week will not be on air again as there is a soccer broadcast here on Weagle. And with that I think we are ready to get in to the big three. So starting off the night number one the MLB postseason roars on we are in the heart of it. Right now, Daniel, tonight, game five of the NLDS starts with San Francisco and the Dodgers fighting for a spot to get into the NLCS to play the Atlanta Braves. I'm excited for this one. Um, personally, I'm, I'm rocking with the Giants. I hope they pull it off. Um, I think that that would be a – historically, I think that's a little better matchup for Atlanta than uh, the Dodgers. Yes, for sure. The Atlanta is not a fan of playing the Dodgers in the postseason. It always Just, ends in heartache. Yeah, that is for sure. So, the last time I was on, we were talking about teams still trying to fight to get into the postseason, but that's been a couple weeks ago. So, now we have teams that are in, and we have the postseason, have some games that have already wrapped up and some series that have already wrapped up. You had the two wild card games, which were fantastic. And also, last time we talked about how the Giants and the Dodgers were fighting for their division win and who was going to play in that wild card game. Ultimately, it was the Giants who won their division and the Dodgers having to play the wild card game, but they won. And so now you have teams like the Atlanta Braves who are in the NLCS after beating the Milwaukee Brewers in four games. You have the Red Sox, or excuse me, the Boston Red Sox in the AL who are now in the ALCS after taking care of Tampa Bay. And then you have the Houston Astros, who took care of the White Sox, and they are in the ALCS. So tonight, the NLDS Game 5, which for those of you that don't know, the NLD, or the Division Series is the best of five. So basically, this is a Game 7, but it's in Game 5 form. So that is tonight at 8 o'clock, so it will start right after Moonlight Madness here. So if you're interested in that, go watch that, because that's going to be very interesting. And tomorrow, I know you're going to want to talk about this one, Daniel, ALCS starts the Red Sox getting started in the ALCS against Houston, and Red Sox announced today that Chris Sale will be taking the mound. I'm excited. We're going to need big things from him, but I think he can get it done. 
He has in the past. No reason he can't now. Uh, I'm so excited for the Red Sox. No one thought they would be here after the 60-game season last year was not good at all. And the year before that, in 2019, they missed the postseason. Um, 2018 was really good. Let's hope we can replicate that here this year. And that's definitely true. I mean, nobody really thought the Red Sox, one, were going to make the postseason, or two, make the ALCS at all. Uh, Red Sox just, like you said, last year in the shorter season didn't perform well at all. And so nobody really had high expectations for them. A lot of people had expectations for, you know, the Yankees and the Rays, who both teams were very good. But the Yankees kind of went through some slumps. They would go on a slump, but then they'd go on a tear, and they kind of went back and forth doing that. But then, of course, a lot of people thought that the Tampa Bay Rays would be something good. Yeah, and and they were. I mean, they won the AL East. We can't take that away from them. But it's not – nothing before October really matters that much. You can be the best team in baseball like many people claim Tampa Bay was. But I think that we know that the Red Sox all around are the better team now. And so we saw some good wild card games, a legendary matchup between the Red Sox and the Yankees, longtime rivals. Of course, their historic history between the two franchises. And now we were able to see just another chapter in that book of the Red Sox and the Yankees in the wild card game this season. Oh, yeah. And just any time the Red Sox and the Yankees play, whether it's regular season or postseason, it's always so much fun. But to see those two rivals meet up in the postseason, there truly is nothing like it in baseball. And I'm so glad that we got to see that here this year after not seeing it for years. Yeah, as a Red Sox fan myself, it was very fun to see you know, them take care of business, especially getting that game at Fenway Park. I think that really, really helped. Oh, I agree. That, you know what I'm saying? That definitely helped the Red Sox having that. And now they're having to play an Astros team where they're not going to have home field advantage. I believe they took off this morning uh, going to Houston to take on the Astros, but now it's a seven-game series. So that's what that's what benefits them. They got two on the road, but then they come home for two at Fenway Park. So I think it's going to be a fantastic series. I think, you know, I think the 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 Red Sox and the Astros is just such a big matchup because both both teams can pitch really well, but both teams can just hit the ball. I mean, that's just what they do, right? Right, and um, we were talking about it on Compact Discourse this morning. Jack Hart made this point that it's going to be so crazy because um, I bet tomorrow night the first pitch to- or temperature is going to be you know mid 80s, maybe high 80s. But in Boston, when they go up there, it's going to be like 60s, getting into the 50s. So it's pretty funny, like the differences in weather is going to be between these two cities. Right, and play and for Houston, they play in the dome. You know, they play on that inside the inside dome that they play there in Houston. And that affects a lot of things. You know, that affects home run balls and fly balls, whether they're going to, you know, how far they go, and and especially the noise, too. This is a postseason game where, and everybody knows that the Astros have a, their home field advantage is a major advantage for the Astros when they went on their, you know, controversial World Series run. I think that the Astros fans and their home crowd was just so important. And you can look back at some of the videos and in the clips from when they would hit huge home runs from Altuve or Springer and or Bregman and the crowd would just erupt and it was just like deafening almost yeah that's the loudest I've ever heard of baseball stadium yeah and it's got to be because you know of the of the dome that they play inside but credit to them you know they're a good team so ALCS Red Sox and Astros gonna be a good one but then you've got the division or excuse me you got the the NL side of the division series where 
the Braves took care of the Milwaukee Brewers, and that was a series where Atlanta was not expected. That's Again, Atlanta's a team that was not expected to do much of anything. They were the beginning of the season because they have a lot of talent, but then the Braves took some hits. They lost their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., to injury. Then they lost Marcelo Zuna to some domestic violence issues where he was removed from the team. And so the Braves could have very easily given up. They could have... You know, they could have just moved on, played for next season. I believe they lost Soroka, too. Is that right? Yeah, he. Um, that's crazy. Like, last year in the COVID season, right in the very beginning of it, he tore his Achilles. And then this year, like, I think it was May or something, he was just walking around his house and tore it again. And, oh, my heart just aches for him. Because now it's, it's realistically going to be 2023. And these are his prime years. I just hate it for him. Yeah, for sure. So you got to look at the Braves. They lost two big hitters and a starting pitcher. And so, like I said before, the Braves could have given up. They could have just said, hey, we'll just play for next season, especially when Acuna went out. When that happened, it's very easy for a team to just kind of give up and just play for the next season, play for the future. But the Braves didn't. They realized they still had a lot of talent. They have a veteran in Freddie Freeman playing at first base who can lead this team in hitting and fielding. And so they kept playing. They kept pushing. And they ultimately won their division. You know, they took advantage of a sloppier division, you could say, with the Phillies and the Mets, where the Braves just played better baseball, and they did what they had to do, and they got to the postseason, where one, not many people thought they would get. And then they got a a tough matchup versus the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that can pitch really, really well, and can when they start hitting the ball, they start hitting the ball. But they took care of business with them as well. They did, and the first game was the worst game. And the Braves still had an opportunity to tie it in the ninth inning. So, I just I love the fight they've showed. They've never given up. Um, it got a little hairy in game four when they moved on a few times. But they persevered. Freddie Freeman put him over the top in the eighth inning. And I honestly, you know, we're Auburn students. This is the year. I think Atlanta gets it done. So, that's a bold statement we've got here on Moonlight Madness, folks. We've got Daniel saying that the Atlanta Braves are going to go on and win the World Series. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, I will I will mark that one down. So if it happens, I'll give you credit. But if not, I'll let you hear about it. All right. So the Braves, before they can get to the World Series, they're going to have to play in the NLCS, which, as we were talking about earlier, will be decided when the Dodgers and the Giants play tonight. Once the winner of Game 5 tonight will go on to play the Atlanta Braves. And it's kind of it's interesting because if the Giants win, the Giants will have – home field advantage against the Atlanta Braves but if the Dodgers win the Braves will have home field advantage over the Dodgers so should we root for the Dodgers then I don't think Atlanta fans are going to be cheering for the Dodgers as we talked earlier Atlanta fans just don't like it they don't like playing LA just because the Dodgers have knocked out the Braves one too many times and it's 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 a it's Atlanta's year right you know Atlanta's supposed to go on and do big things so most Atlanta fans that I've talked to so far are cheering for San Francisco. I'm making my prediction. I'm going to say the Giants win it at home in Game 5. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think so too. Earlier this morning on Compact Discourse, I said that I thought the Dodgers would win because Julio Urias was on the mound. Right. However, that's not the case anymore. It's Corey Nebel, right? Is that how you pronounce it? I believe so, yeah. They okay. changed that throughout the middle of the day at some point. They announced it, and then they just kind of like, Made a change and didn't really say a whole lot about it. Which it looks like he's having a good year. Uh, 4-0 on the year, 245 ERA, 30 Ks. I mean, that's not bad at all. 
Yeah, Solid reliever. Yeah, not a bad guy to throw out there for game five. But like you said, the guy they had before was one of their go-to guys. And so, so what's your official pick? I'm still going to go with the Giants. Going with the Giants. So we will see what happens there in the NLDS. Again, that is 8 o'clock Central Time tonight. Uh, not sure what channel that's on. but oh, TBS. Is it TBS? Okay, cool. So it'll be on TBS tonight. It'll be going on right after we come off the air. So watch that because huge implications. The winner will go to play the Atlanta Braves, and the winner of that will go to the World Series to face either the Astros or the Red Sox. But I'll tell you what, postseason baseball, I talked about it leading in to the postseason. October baseball is the best baseball. That's no the, doubt. That's yeah. the hill that I live and die on, and I think most people can agree on that. Like the first couple games opening day, they're exciting, they're fun. But you get to July and you're like, holy crap, this season is long. But now this is what gets the blood pumping. No doubt about it. When they play 162 games in a year, it's hard to get excited for all of those games. But October baseball, the couple weeks leading into the postseason and then the postseason itself, there's nothing like it. And And I know a lot of people have the argument of, it's really hard to watch baseball on TV. And sometimes it really is hard to watch baseball on TV. Uh, yeah. But but when the postseason's on, the game matters. So it's easier to get into the game, even if it's on TV. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I've never liked that argument, especially one of my buddies. He's a big soccer guy. In my opinion, it's harder to watch soccer on TV than baseball, and it's not even close. So... I mean, I've heard that too, and it's just it just depends. Obviously, going to the games is better than watching it on TV, but that's that's the case for most sports, in my opinion. Oh, so, me too. I agree. Right, and I think most people would agree with that as well. But anyway, MLB postseason, it's getting into the heart of it. You got the ALD, or excuse me, the NLDS wrapping up tonight, and the ALCS will start tomorrow between the Red Sox and the Houston Astros. When we come back, we'll jump into number two of the big three. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob. That's G-O-I-N-S, the number two Jacob for all show updates and all my other sports takes that I like to tweet out throughout the week. Remember, Moonlight Madness is from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time right here on Weagle 91.1 FM or wherever you find your podcast. Tonight, I'm in studio with Daniel Locke, my guest, first ever on Moonlight Madness, co-host of Kicking Ice, Tuesdays at 3, and the Eagle's Nest, Thursdays at 3, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. So, as we come back, the big three rolls on. Number two, Daniel, hockey is back. Oh, yeah, it is, and in a big way on ESPN for the first time since 2004, Amy and I were talking about that on Tuesday on um, Kicking Ice, and it's just so nice to see because especially in the later years of the contract, NBC cared less and less. You would constantly see games get taken off for golf or horse racing or NASCAR. It was just like, really? Like, you can't just let us finish the game? But, you know, it's really good. Um, The games are a lot more accessible now for more people. There's more games televised, more teams televised, especially in our southern market where it's honestly kind of dry if you don't live close to Nashville or Raleigh. So it's just it's awesome because we actually get to watch hockey as Southerners for the first time in a long time. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think the move to ESPN for the NHL is a big move. I believe they signed, what, a seven-year contract now yeah. when it ran out 
with NBC and its affiliates. You know, it used to be hockey was on NBC, NBC Sports, USA, those types of channels. And that's just a lot of channels that not a lot of people think about and not a lot of people tune into unless you are a straight-up hockey fan. And so I think when their contract ran up, the NHL realized that maybe their TV ratings weren't good through the regular season. And I think that's a big thing going to ESPN for NHL because now, like you said, they're going to reach a much wider audience being on ESPN or using ESPN Plus, their subscription-based program that they have. And a lot of people use that. And so there's going to be a lot of games on ESPN Plus, but then just a lot of games on the national ESPN broadcast. And I think that's going to reach a lot more people. I think their viewership in the regular season is going to go up by a lot. Yeah, because hockey's kind of like baseball. A lot of people don't really pay attention to the regular season, but then once the postseason starts, they tune in. I feel like this is going to help remedy that. Not only is it going to make the postseason bigger and better, but it's also going to make the regular season more accessible to people. And it's just the viewership's going to go up, which causes fan base to go up. So I'm really excited for this prospect. Yeah, no doubt, because I think people are missing out. If they, if you don't watch hockey, I'm telling you, you're missing out because hockey is a very exciting sport to watch, and it's one of the few exciting sports that's actually really, really entertaining on TV. We talked about baseball a little bit ago, kind of being it can get boring on TV until it gets to the postseason, but I think hockey on TV, no matter if it's regular season or postseason, I think it's fantastic to watch on TV. Yeah, I agree, especially if you're newer to the sport. It's a lot like you can see more, you get more insight. Going When you're not that familiar with it, going to watch hockey in person, don't get me wrong, it's fun, but I've heard from friends that have brought the hockey games, and even my dad, we went to a Bruins playoff game, and I, I'm working on him, but I'm a lot bigger hockey fan than he is, but he just mentioned it's hard to follow the puck, and it is, like that is hard, but the more you watch, the more you can kind of like pick up, and the quicker you get, and the more you can anticipate what they're going to do with it, so... For people who are just starting to watch hockey and struggling with that, just stick with it. It'll come. Right, and attending hockey games is so much fun. I think it's one of the the best sporting events that you can attend to in person because I've been to I've been to quite a few hockey games. I've been to when I lived in Ohio, I went to quite a few Columbus Blue Jackets games. I'm a big Columbus fan. Living up there, I lived an hour from Columbus, so it was an easy drive to shoot over the interstate, and you're right there in Columbus. So, and they have one of the best atmospheres in hockey. And I've only been to a few. But I don't see how it gets any better, besides maybe Nashville. I've never been to a Nashville game, but I really do want to go. But anyway, going to hockey games in person is just so much fun. My mom and I used to go because it was just so much fun, so much energy in the arena, and there's it's just constant action. You know, they're always moving. The puck is always going. Three 20-minute periods, so you feel like you have a good amount of hockey, but there's also breaks in between where they do a lot of good stuff. So I really recommend going to hockey games in person. I also went to a game at TD Garden in Boston. So I've been to a few games around, still trying to get up to Nashville. But if you've never been to a hockey game, I recommend that you go. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's everyone who I've ever brought to one has said they're hooked for life after. For sure. And like you said, watching it on TV will definitely help you learn because you can listen to commentary on the TV. You can listen to the reporters and just watch it. And, you know, with all the graphics they put up on the TV and stuff like that, too, you're going to learn it more by watching it on TV, using the commentary and stuff like that. But then as soon as you get the opportunity to go to a live hockey game, I just it's something I recommend you got to go to. I've never been to a playoff hockey game. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I have. I take that back. I have been to a playoff hockey game. I went to 
the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Washington Capitals in 2018, I believe. Oh, you got to see Ovechkin on that cup run? I, I oh, did. Oh, man, yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I did. So I went with my buddy Logan in high school. We were seniors, and we were like, all right, we got to do it. You know, we got to go. And so we, we bought tickets, and we went and saw Columbus play Washington and saw Ovechkin, and it was super cool because we got to see one of the greatest players ever play. And, yeah, like you said, it was on the Stanley Cup run. So it was it was super, super cool. And, and I thought hockey, the hockey atmosphere was good in the regular season, but the playoff atmosphere was just so cool, man. It was awesome to go to. Oh yeah, the energy, how loud it gets. I just I'm in love with it. It's my I'm addicted to it. Would you say hockey is your favorite sport? Definitely favorite to go see in person. Um for me it's hard like it's it's a hard choice between hockey and baseball because um baseball makes me think of my dad. Like that's our thing, always has been. Hockey's one I more more or less kind of found on my own. So it doesn't really have as much of that sentimental feel, mm-hmm. but it's definitely either hockey or baseball. Football being a very close third. Got you. And you know, it's having a, an emotional attachment to baseball is definitely something that I can respect. So, and that's fine. I, hockey's not my favorite, but it's definitely top three for sure. It I will hundred percent say it's the best to go to in person. I will I'll say that forever. But again, still trying to get to a few of the venues: Nashville, Vegas. You know, a couple more couple more places like that but those two are probably on the list right now to get to to get to go to in person oh yeah my uh, my birthday's in january so uh, i'm already planning on spending my 21st in vegas to go to a hockey game and to you know experience las vegas once you actually can okay but what day's your birthday the 21st oh mine is january 24th what, oh, what do you cool. know lucky there so i'm trying to go to vegas as well i already turned 21 but i'm trying to plan a trip with my dad to go out there and go to a Vegas Golden Knights game while we're there, just because it'd be a lot of fun, and I think it'd be really exciting. Their atmosphere just seems incredible for the few years that they've been an organization, and now there's another team that obviously I would love to go to at some point, the brand-new NHL organization, the Seattle Kraken. They started their very first season a few nights ago, which is really cool. We get to now see another team added to the NHL. with from After the success of the Vegas, wow, excuse me, the Vegas Golden Knights, now we see the Seattle Kraken. Yes, and they actually they played the Knights on um, Tuesday night in their first game, and I, they did really well. A lot of people thought that the Knights were just going to run all over them. They held their own. They lost 4-3, to three, but for a team that, you know, the expectations aren't that high, they never are for an expansion team, that what Vegas did is a one-off. Like, we're probably never going to see anything like that in sports again. But, you know... I was I was impressed. Seattle did really good. Right, and we saw Vegas in their very first year, and when they came in and did their expansion draft, they went in and took the third and fourth best player off of every team because if you remember, each team before Vegas, like when Vegas was getting created, each team had, what, three people they could protect, their top two players and a goaltender, and yeah. so Vegas came in after that, and they drafted everybody. They took the third and fourth best players off of every single team in the National Hockey League, and so, of course, they were going to be good. Why? I mean, the third and fourth best players are still fantastic in the NHL, so they had a bunch of those guys, and they made a run to the Stanley Cup, ultimately losing to that Washington team in Alex Ovechkin, but... Again, like you said, I don't think Seattle's going to be that team this year, but it no. is cool to see them come out and compete and have a new team, a new franchise up in Seattle where we know 
you know, they have a very good fan base up there with the Seahawks and some other teams. And so I think it's I think it's good to see. And I'm sure you saw the I guess it's a light show, is that what they did? On the ice there in Vegas, they had the big it was it was a light show on the ice, which was really, really cool. It was like a it was a Kraken on the ice and they did like this light show display on the ice. It was super, super cool. Yeah, I saw it. It's that I just I love games in Vegas. They're so much fun. No doubt about it. And I think their fan base ex- probably accepted the new team pretty well. And like you said, they competed. So it was a 4-3 game. But that's exciting to see a new NHL team come into the league and try to compete. And so I think that's super cool. And as you said, you know, we talked about NHL now being back on ESPN. Seattle cracking the new team in the NHL. And the season has started. Columbus started their season tonight. I believe Boston starts on Saturday. On Saturday this weekend. I don't know why they waited so long to get them into the mix, but yeah, I don't either. They did. So hockey is back, and that's gonna wrap up number two of the big three. So we can jump in to number three. News floating around the NBA the past few weeks, but especially this week, the news of Kyrie Irving. The star point guard for the Brooklyn Nets, who has teamed up with Kevin Durant and James Harden there in Brooklyn. But I'm sure, as most of you probably know by now, Kyrie Irving is refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And a lot of professional sports, including the NBA, are now requiring that players get the COVID-19 vaccine. And the reason for that is they want everybody to be vaccinated and they want everybody to be able to go along with the city ordinances that the cities that they play in, that they follow the rules of those cities. And so it's a league-wide mandate that players must get the COVID-19 vaccine. But Kyrie Irving says he's not doing it. He said he didn't believe in it, and he said he wasn't going to do it. And the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets announced today that after a long debate of what they were going to do, they said, you're not going to play for us and you're not going to practice for us until you get that vaccine. You know, this is this is touchy. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on it, but I don't mean this to offend anybody. It should be your choice. You should have medical freedom. Whether if whether you want to get it or not, that should be up to you. Right. And you know, we're not here to debate whether you should get it, shouldn't get it, whether it's right or wrong. It's just the news of a major top 15 NBA player refusing not to get it and the NBA organization of the Brooklyn Nets they came out and said okay well you're not going to play not you know we've seen some players where they said they're not going to get it so then their team decided well they just can't play in the cities that they're not allowed to play in if they don't have the vaccine if that makes sense but the Brooklyn Nets decided after going back and forth with Irving about this they just finally decided we're not going to we're not going to let him play. We're not going to let him be a part of our team. We're not going to let him practice. And that's ultimately a decision that they finally just came up with. Yeah. Is he still getting paid? I don't know because I've seen stuff about where – I forget who the other player was that I was reading about earlier, but they said he would be fined money. or It wasn't – it was Ben Simmons I was talking about, and it wasn't COVID-related. It was just him holding out of his – contract and not playing and they would charge him for not showing up so I would imagine that the Brooklyn Nets would not be paying him if he doesn't get vaccinated because it's a, a, a league-wide mandate so I would say probably not well that that might be what get, has him get in uh can't talk 
that might be what ultimately makes him decide to get it, hit him in the pocketbook. Yeah, but, I mean, when you really sit back and look at it, Kyrie Irving has made hundreds of millions of dollars in his career. That's true. And so I don't know if something like this is really going to affect his money. I mean, obviously he's going to feel it, but if he decided that this is something he didn't want to do, then he may just hang it up. But he said today in an Instagram Live that he's not going to retire. He said people have been floating that idea around, and that's not the case. So I'm interested to see where this is going to go from here. But, again, Kyrie Irving refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine, the, the vaccine that is mandated by the NBA for all players to get. So the Brooklyn Nets decided that he will not practice or play with the Nets until further notice. So when we come back, we're going to take a look around Auburn Athletics. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Jacob Goins with my guest Daniel Locke in studio with me tonight. Let's go into around Auburn Athletics. So starting with football, the Auburn football team hosted the Georgia Bulldogs last weekend in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, it took a home a, t- a tough home loss, 34 to 10, Daniel. Oh man, this one. Oh man, we I feel like there were just a handful of things that if they had gone different, the scoreboard would look a lot different than it did. For sure, there's multiple things that people have been able to pick out over the past week or so that like you said, if a few things went a couple different ways, people feel like and myself included feel that Auburn really could have competed in this game and you can start with the play at the end of the first half, the touchdown, the wannabe touchdown pass in the end zone that it wasn't dropped, but there was pretty clear pass interference from Georgia on Auburn, but it wasn't called. And Auburn was down 17-3 to at that point. And if they score that touchdown, it's 17-10 going into the locker room and the crowd stays involved. Yeah, I agree. Because um, that's part of, one thing I noticed in the student section is they got out of it a lot quicker than I thought they would. When we went down 17-3, to I really felt like that was it. When we scored early in the fourth quarter, I think. Um, no, third. We scored like somewhat like middle of the third quarter. It got loud again. Because I think at that point we were down 24-10. And I thought, you know, maybe if we could stop here, go down, score again, Yes, I think we have a shot, but that just didn't happen. And it's the drop passes that just really. Yeah, and you're referencing the tank touchdown where he ran into a wall and then kept bouncing out and eventually scored on the end zone. And like you said, made it 24-10. Student section and the fans in Jordan-Hare Stadium thought, you know, maybe, you know, like you said, if we can get a stop, go down and score again, let's make this a one-possession game. But that just didn't happen. Georgia just pulled away at that point, and eventually ended up winning 34-10. to 10. But you're right. The drops has been the main thing that people have been highlighting. And it's true because there were, what, 12 drops or something like that yeah. in the game for Auburn? Insane. And so I think they ended up – I think they ended up dropping that number a little bit. But, I mean, still, they had way too many drops. And I saw a stat where if you take the drops out of the game on Saturday – Bo Nix's complete completion percentage would have been 86% for the game. If you yep. take the drops out, his completion percentage would have been 86%. So that's crazy because Bo Nix didn't play bad. He played a pretty good game, and there were multiple of those drops that he put the ball 
right on the numbers where he put the ball right in their hands, and they just dropped it. Right, which really, one thing that really starts to annoy me, and I'm not calling out the Auburn student body as a whole, but the people who don't pay attention to the play, just like, oh, Bo Nix is horrible. I'm sorry, you don't know what you're talking about. You're clearly not watching this. Right, Bo Nix, again, I said it, Bo Nix played a good game. He did what he had to do. He's still on it. He's still running for his life half the time. Right. That's and he still a, that's makes another plays. issue. Yeah, exactly. And he still makes plays when needed. I think he did all he could, but I think it's something that Brian Harson is working on. You know, I heard Sean Shivers running back for Auburn. He came out and he said it's just a lack of focus. He said that it's something that's not happening in practice. It's just happening in games. I don't know if that is true, but that's something that they said. He said it's a lack of focus. So it's something they need to, you know, get definitely something they need to get under control as they travel to number 17, Arkansas, this Saturday at 11 a.m. A good Arkansas team for sure. Yeah, definitely not one to sleep through. Um, this is probably, I don't know when's, probably 2012 was the last time Auburn played Arkansas and was the underdog. If I had to guess, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what that stat would be, but this is a good Arkansas team. And everybody, especially Auburn fans, we all know Auburn's track record for playing 11 a.m. kickoffs. It's bad. It's not good at all. Auburn, in the past, has struggled to wake up for these 11 a.m. games. Yeah, and I just I hope they can get it done here in Fayetteville. But, you know, because I think it may have been you who said this is the difference between 8-4 and four and 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely is. And this is a good Arkansas team. It's a good offensive Arkansas team. Don't be fooled by the fact that they got destroyed against Georgia because they played they played a decent game against Georgia. They just got down early, and they couldn't ever come back. They didn't score, but they also played a fantastic Georgia defensive line and just defense in total. But don't let that game fool you. This is a good Arkansas Razorback team. They're a ranked team at home playing a defeated Auburn team right now. So this is really where we're going to see what Auburn's made of. This is what we're going to see what Brian Harson has been doing so far as the Auburn head coach. We're going to see what this team is made of, what he's made of, and ultimately what direction our season's going to take. Are we going to continue to fight and trend upwards, or are we just going to you know, go down and have a mediocre six- or seven-win season? Yeah, and I just I really, really hope that um, Coach Harson can get him going. I really like Coach Harson. I think Auburn made the right choice. I really like what I see and what I hear. I think that right now he's just not – this isn't his recruiting class. For sure. I've said that as well. I've, I really like Brian Harson. I really do think he's the man for the job. I think he's having to coach players that are not his. He's having to coach players that he didn't recruit. And there's some talent on the field. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of talent on that Auburn Tigers team on both sides of the ball. But I just think Auburn and Coach Harson is he's struggling to coach players that are not his. And I think he's just going to have to get on the recruiting trail, win on the recruiting trail in the next couple of years. That's where his impact is really going to be made. And that's where we're really going to start seeing how good of a coach he really is. And I think – if I'm not mistaken, he's about to pull a top 20 recruiting class in his first year, which would be insanely good for the situation that Auburn was in when Gus Malzahn left and how good 
Brian Harson is at recruiting since he got here. Yeah, things looked really bleak as soon as um, Gus Malzahn left. I, I want to say at that point that Vanderbilt had a better recruiting class than we did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did, and that just kind of shows the hole that we had gotten in. Yeah, that's really concerning when you see that. So we'll see how recruiting goes again. I think he's about to pull a top 20 class. I'm hearing some things that we may be getting a big recruit or two tonight slash tomorrow, so keep your eye on that. I've been kind of using some sources that I know. Um, so we may be able to pick up a few and get a top 20 class, which folks, I can't strain enough how important that is and how big that is that he's going to be able to pull that off. And ultimately, when you look at the season, this is a big, big game against Arkansas because Auburn's still in the running for the SEC West with Alabama losing last week at Texas A&M. The SEC West is wide open. Yeah. And, uh, believe it or not, we currently lead it. We're one and zero against SEC West opponents, which they don't go by your overall record. They go by your SEC West record for that. So Exactly. So we're still in the running, but Auburn controls their own destiny. If Auburn can just continue to improve every single game, they have a tough October. They've already started a tough October, but they have a tough October. And then if they can get to November, if they can win these next three games and get to November, they have a few games that they can kind of recover from before inviting Alabama to come down to Jordan-Hare Stadium and have a battle. And Alabama's beatable this year. They've they've shown it twice now in the, the close game of, in um, Gainesville and then going up to College Station and getting beat. But you can't waste these years when Alabama's beatable to get our punches in in this rivalry. For sure, for sure. And I, I agree. I think Alabama, they're still a good team. They've got a lot of talent, and they've still got one of the best, if not the best coach to ever coach in Nick Saban. So they're always going to be good, and they're always going to be in the running. But I agree. I think Auburn has a chance to do something really special. So we'll see. Auburn travels to number 17, Arkansas, this weekend at 11 a.m. So make sure you tune in to that. Transitioning into Auburn soccer. Auburn soccer is now coming off an overtime victory at home against LSU 1-0 last Sunday. I was on the call with Noah Phillips and Daniel. You were in studio. We got to call a game winner. So that was really, really fun to call a game winner for Auburn. Marissa Arias. She scored in overtime to give Auburn a 1-0 victory, which was big because now they are currently tied in the SEC West with Arkansas in the soccer standings. And so for those of you that don't know how soccer standings work, they kind of work the same way as football. They don't compare on how much you win in your league. It's how much you win in your division. So now, Daniel, Auburn is tied with Arkansas, and they play them next week. I think that could be huge. Is that that Thursday night matchup? It's a Thursday night matchup. So Auburn soccer plays Florida this Sunday. They host Florida this Sunday. Uh, they host a bad Florida team. They're not. They're just not very good. I think they lost a lot last season. So a struggling Florida team comes into here on Sunday over at the Auburn soccer complex. And then Auburn hosts Arkansas next Thursday for a huge SEC West matchup. Yeah, I'll be in studio on Sunday, and then I'll be on color on Thursday. Who's on the play-by-play for that? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, we'll have to look. I don't think it's me. I think it's probably Aiden or Gavin or something like that. But that's going to be a great game. It's going to be a huge matchup. That's a must-win game for Auburn if they want to have a chance to clinch the SEC West title. And as of right now, if they keep doing what they're doing, if they keep getting the wins that they need to get, Auburn's in the running to host the first round of the NCAA tournament. They would Their first NCAA tournament game, they would get to host right here at the Auburn Soccer Complex. That would be huge. Um, getting a game like that at home, like postseason at home, is something I wish more college sports could do. Like, could you imagine if we got to play a tournament game in the jungle? 
Right. That would be super, super cool. So Auburn soccer again. They are coming off overtime victory against LSU. They play Florida on Sunday at home. That will be right here on Weagle, 91.1 FM. And then they host SEC West rival Arkansas next Thursday night, again, right here on Weagle, 91.1 FM. And to touch on Auburn volleyball, coming off back-to-back weekend losses at Arkansas with the new SEC scheduling, every SEC opponent, Auburn will play twice in a row, whether it's on the road or at home. And so Auburn volleyball is now back home in Auburn Arena Saturday and Sunday versus the Missouri Tigers. I will actually be on play-by-play for Saturday's game at 4.30 right here on Weagle, 91.1 FM. Daniel, you'll be in studio that day. So if you have a chance, if you're at Auburn, go and see the volleyball team. They are a much-improved team. Brent Crouch is doing amazing things with that Auburn volleyball team. They're making strides, folks. They really are. So if you have a chance, go and support the team at Auburn Arena. But if not, you can listen right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It's so fun to watch. And those girls worked hard. And it's awesome to see how improved they are. And soccer, they're working their butts off too. Karen Hoff is doing awesome. This Auburn team is one that can really contend, I think. So that's going to wrap up around Auburn Athletics. When we come back, I'm going to give you a live score update of football and hockey. And, again, that baseball game doesn't start until 8 o'clock. So I'm going to give you a live score update of football and hockey around the country, and then we'll finish up with what are the odds. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I've got Daniel Locke in studio as my guest tonight, and we're down to the last 15 minutes, folks, unfortunately. Uh, More like uh, about 12 minutes, really, but that's okay. So I'm going to give you a live score update real quick, just run you through. Some football and hockey scores in the NFL. Thursday night football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. It is actually tied 7-all with about five minutes to go there in the first quarter in Philadelphia. A couple college games for you tonight that I'll give you some scores on. You've got Navy and Memphis. Memphis is up 21-10 on the Navy shipment. It is four minutes to go. In the second quarter. And South Alabama hosting Georgia Southern. South Alabama up 31 to nothing all over Georgia Southern. Five and a half to go in the second quarter. I was so close to going down for that game. Uh, my sister goes to South Alabama. Oh, really? Okay. I A buddy I went to high school with um, plays for Georgia Southern. So I I, I've been, I was thinking about it all day. And I was like, I just don't feel, really feel like driving three hours tonight. I was about to say, what's the drive down there? Three hours to, or to Mobile? Uh, yeah, three and some change. Got you. And run you through some hockey scores real quick. Buffalo taking on Montreal. Buffalo up 4-1. to one. Ottawa up 3-0 on Toronto. Pittsburgh and Florida tied at 2 at the end of the second. Dallas and the New York Rangers tied at 2. Little, A uh, few minutes to go there in the second period. The Islanders and Carolina. Carolina's up 4-2 to two, about halfway through the second period. And you've got the Columbus Blue Jackets all over the Arizona Coyotes 5-1 at the end of the second period. Detroit up 2-0 on Tampa Bay in the second. And Seattle and Nashville tied at 1 nearing the end of the first. One game left to start is the Vegas Golden Knights and Los Angeles Kings. That game will begin at 9.30 Central Time on ESPN+. So those are your live score updates. And so now we're going to do what are the odds. So we're going to start, for those of you that are new listeners, and Daniel, since you've never been here, what are the odds of segment we're going to run through college and NFL odds for the upcoming weekend? I'm going to pick out some ones that I like, some ones that you should keep an eye on, 
and I'm going to make my official picks. And I've been keeping up. I know we took a week break, but my official picks so far, I went 2-1 and one two weeks ago on the last show, and I'm currently 4-2 and two overall. So we'll see, see how you can do this week, Daniel. Okay. So we're going to start with college, some of the betting lines that I am a fan of. And again, for those of you that don't know the spread, plus or minus the points, that is what Vegas and betters in Vegas think a team is either going to win by or lose by. And the total is the total amount of points that the bet- the betters in Vegas think that the teams are going to score a combined total. And the money line, if the if the money's minus, if the number's minus, means they're favored to win. If it's plus, means they're pro- they're not favored to win, okay? So let's run through some of the college betting lines for the weekend. So, starting tomorrow night, we have a couple big games. Clemson taking on Syracuse. Clemson currently a 13.5-point favorite over Syracuse, a struggling Clemson team. Uh, I would think they'd get it done against Syracuse, double touchdown favorite, but... Never underestimate the carrier, though. True. True. You've got Oregon and Cal tomorrow night. Oregon, playoff hopes, kind of took a hit last week, but they are currently 13.5-point favorites over Cal. And some of the big games on Saturday... UCF and Cincinnati, big matchup there in the AAC. Cincinnati coming off major victories, number three now in the polls, looking to make a big playoff push, be that first group of five team to get in to the playoff. They are currently 21.5 point favorites over UCF. So UCF plus 21.5, and I'm going to make that my first official pick of the night. I'm going to take UCF plus 21.5 because Daniel – UCF's going to wake up for that game, and I think they can stay within three touchdowns. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they will, too. I'm going to go with UCF with the under. Some other games, Auburn-Arkansas. For all you Auburn fans, Arkansas is currently a a four-and-a-half-point favorite with the total being 54. I have another official pick, folks. I have have a rule of thumb, and it's never put money on Auburn because Auburn will always let you down no matter what they're doing. But – I like Auburn in this game, okay? I like Auburn money line. I think Harson gets them ready. They rebound from a Georgia loss. I like Auburn money line plus 170 against Arkansas on Saturday. What you think about it, Daniel? Uh, you know, I'm feeling confident. I'm going to take Auburn on the money line too. <laughs> All right. And a couple more games for college for what are the odds? Florida versus LSU. Florida currently an 11.5 point favorite against a struggling LSU team. Total there is 59 and a half. I'm trying to think. It's about 30 per team. I kind of like it. I think maybe, you know, maybe it could have a shootout there in Gainesville. So just keep your eye on that one. Another SEC matchup, Texas A&M and Missouri. Texas A&M coming off a huge win versus number one Alabama. They are eight and a half point favorites over Missouri with a total of 59 and a half. I kind of like the under there. You know, maybe keep your eye on an under. Maybe kind of a defensive shootout possibly with two bigger teams. And then Georgia-Kentucky, another big game. Kentucky and Georgia, okay. Georgia's a 21.5-point favorite over Kentucky. Both teams 6-0. and What do you think about that? I think that Georgia gets it done. I'm not sure if I take the over, though. Do you think they cover 21.5? Think they win by three touchdowns? Yeah, I think so. Wow, okay. You want to make that a pick? I can write it down for you. Yeah, I'll make that a pick. All right, so Daniel's going to take Georgia minus 21.5. So they got to win by 22 points, just so just so you're aware. So Daniel's going to take Georgia minus 21.5 versus Kentucky. And I was trying to look. 
I actually have Kentucky plus 21.5 as my third official pick. So I'm going to go against you on that one. So we'll see how that goes. And let me run you through some of the NFL ones just really, really quick before we sign off. Tonight's game, Buccaneers at Eagles currently tied up at 7. The Buccaneers were favored by a touchdown, minus 7 with an over-under of 52.5. Some of the big games for the weekend, Packers at Bears. This is my final pick. I like the Packers, minus 5. They've they've got it at 5 right now. I like the Packers, minus 5. I think they win by double digits against the Bears at home on Sunday. So take that one if you want to win. Take the Packers, minus 5. Aaron Rodgers is going to get it done. Chiefs in Washington, Kansas City, minus 6.5 against the Washington football team, Vikings and Panthers. The Vikings are two-point favorites with an over-under of 46. Again, as you have mentioned before, any double-digit favorite in the NFL kind of sketches me out. I don't think we have any this week, but just I always try to make that a point to stay away from those. You've got the Chargers and the Ravens. This will be a good one. Baltimore is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at the Chargers. Keep your eye on that one. The Chargers could come out with a big win there. They're, they're on the way up, but Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, they're playing good. And try to give you one more here. Cowboys and Patriots. There you go. Dallas is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Patriots. What do you think about that one, Daniel? You know, I I don't think so. I'm going to take the Patriots on that one. You're going to take the Patriots. you like Patriots' money line at plus 150, or do you think they cover the spread at plus three-and-a-half? I think they cover the spread. Cover the spread. Okay. So we got Daniel down for the Patriots, plus three-and-a-half. Well, that's going to do it for What Are the Odds, and that's going to do it for Moonlight Madness. Here on Weagle 91.1 FM, you can listen to my show, Moonlight Madness, every Thursday right here on Weagle 91.1 FM from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time or anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Moonlight Madness. Daniel, thank you so much for coming in, being the first official guest on Moonlight Madness. I've had a lot of fun, man. Thank you, Jacob. It was a blast. So tune in, not next week, but the week after to catch the show live. Of course, next week there is a soccer broadcast. Auburn versus Arkansas, but you can listen to my show next week. I will pre-record it and upload it as a podcast. Thank you all for listening. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.